know those moments that are carefully scripted in this wonderful world we call professional wrestling where, you know, we, we love this guy. We love this guy. And then he does something so shockingly dastardly that we instantly want to boo him. Yeah, those are great. But what happens when we decide that this ain't flying? Tonight, we're going to talk about it. Welcome to Wrestling with Egos. However you may be consuming this wonderful, crazy, insane product, whether it be on any of our podcasting platforms, Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, um, Breaker, Intergalactic Radio, and even for those of you watching us on the YouTubes, thank you guys so much for making this episode of Wrestling with Egos part of your weekly smorgasbord of info. We are less than 24 hours away from SummerSlam live from Music City, Tennessee. Um, Are we going to talk about it? No. And here's why. We're waiting. We have new creative direction in WWE. We're only a week into it. Can't believe we're actually saying this about the largest promotion in the entire world. But call me when you do something. This week, we are the state of Missouri. You need to show us. Show me what you got going on. If you want to make a splash, make a splash. If you just want to give us eight or nine great matches, that would be a great place to start. Matches were like, you know, that was pretty good. Thank you for, for delivering some, some nice content and, and all that. But, you know, I just don't see the point, especially when we have such a meaty topic that Patrick has kind of already laid out at the beginning of the show that we can sink our jowls into, as it were. You know, I, I, I'd rather go that route. I, I would, too. But I will say this. Paul Levesque, if you're watching, which you're not, but in all of these sweeping changes that you may or may not make to, to your brand new baby, your, your new venture in the world of wrestling, can you please bring that, bring that back? And I don't mean the tag team titles. I mean when this brand actually meant something. Can you please bring that back and get, the, and get that Technicolor nightmare out of, out of our lives forever and go back to black and gold? Mm. Signed, Patrick. <laughs> anyway, um, let's go ahead and get into it. As I already mentioned, I'm Patrick, joined as, he, joined as I am each and every week by my boys Brian and Isaac. You can catch me on Twitter at RantModeOn. Brian's at BKrieg015. Isaac is at I the Fourth. The entire show is Wrestling X Egos. Gentlemen, tonight we talk organic heel or face turns. Not necessarily those that are scripted, but the ones that we, the audience, force the promotion's hand. We're booing this person, but they're a fake. Okay, we got to turn them heel. We're cheering this person, even though you want us to hate this guy's guts. All right, well, guess what? Now he's a baby face. And that's what we're talking about, because in, especially in the last 10 years, the fans have truly proven that we do have the power, especially when it continues to happen week after damn week after damn week. Uh, And we're going to talk about some of those. Not because Vince or anyone else thought it was a great idea. 
because we thought it was a great idea. Brian. Correct me if I'm wrong, good sir, but this past Wednesday, AEW Fight for the Fallen, I think we had a very good example of this. And it's a great place to start since it's kind of fresh in everybody's head. Yes. We're talking about it. Yes. Well, we're not going to necessarily talk about Fight for the Fallen, but in no, case... No, but this guy. Right. Yeah. But in case you missed it, Ricky Starks lost the FTW Championship. No, not to Danhausen. He dropped an open challenge after he defeated Danhausen and then got his ass choked out by Hook. Send um, him. Very, very appropriate that the FTW title is now over the shoulder of the son of the creator of said title. There's um, video making the rounds of Taz and Hook backstage and Taz like, you know, speaking very proudly of his son and Hook doing his best to not like, you know, he's kind of looking at the ground and, you know, looking off to, you know, but but you can tell that he's, you know, secretly very happy that his dad has given him, you know, singing his praises for, you know, stepping up the way he did. So I, that was that was a really nice moment. The fact that Taz got to call the match, right? You know, but let's let's back the truck up a minute here because we're talking about Ricky Starks. Patrick, would you like to tell us a little something about Ricky Starks? Yes. Um, for those of you that have been following the show for multiple years, you might remember a couple of years ago at our Iggy Awards where we. We presented the Nia Jax Worst Worst Performer of the Year Award to Ricky Starks. By the way, Ricky Starks that year was not even nominated. We just gave him the title, gave him the award anyway. Why? Because at that point in time, he was God. Watchable. Awful. Just unwatchable isn't even the word. If you could combine, if you could find a way to make a play on words and combine god-awful and hot garbage, that would be Ricky Starks two years ago. And now, Ricky Starks is cutting a babyface promo after he gets choked out by Hook, and then Will Hobbs turns on him, and Hobbs is a heel, Ricky Starks is babyface. But why does this happen, boys and girls? Because for the past three damn months, Ricky Starks has been getting cheered. Why has Ricky Starks been getting cheered? Because his mic work has been on another planet in 2022. And his in-ring work has been top-notch. I should have done that in the opposite direction, opposite order, and ended with the big one. But he has come light years in the last two years to the point I have said it on this show. I said it with Chris Mueller from Bleacher Report being on this show. I hate him. He's boring. I think he sucks. I'm saying it right now. Order me up a big old bucket of uh, New Orleans fried crow because I'm about to eat it. I am in with Ricky Starks. Holy crap. I cannot believe I just said that. Um, we talk about on this show, this is why we love professional wrestling. This is one of the reasons why we love it. We love it when a talent has the light switch flipped on. Yes. You know, and you see them come into their own and you see them, you know, all of a sudden the in-ring, you know, skill set 
increases by leaps and bounds, and all of a sudden the mic work, you know, he's got relevant things to say, and he's delivering it with emotion and passion. It's not just a monotone. It's not just stammering. It's not just, you know, saying three words and letting everybody else speak for you. It's, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to tell you what's on my mind, and then I'm going to back it up in the ring. Right. And that's what we want. Right. I mean... Just and kind of getting a, a little a little off topic with this, but just kind of a, a, a few people that went along that same blueprint where they were just kind of there, and then all of a sudden the light switch got flipped on, and they went on to amazing heights. First one that comes to my mind is Edge. You know, Edge was yeah. even after even while winning Money in the Bank was just like, uh. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I've been an Edge fan since day one. I loved the guy. I loved it when he won Money in the Bank. I loved it when he cashed in on Cena at New Year's at New Year's Revolution that year. But he didn't really start taking off until after he had the title. And then hang on to your butts, boys and girls. He 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 went on to a completely different plane of existence. During his first title reign, and it just continued from there. Uh, I mean, come on, he slapped John Cena's dad <laughs> the next Tuesday in a promo, you know, in, in a tape uh, tape segment. I mean, it was great. And Ricky Starks is doing the same thing right now. Um, it's just all of a sudden, and it's night and day. Um. That's what I got on that one. What say you guys on uh, Ricky Starks and his um, his his heel turn, his face turn that was essentially brought on by us starting to cheer him more and more and more. Isaac, jump in there. Okay, uh, let me just say this: Ricky Starks is finally everything's finally coming together. Um, you said it very well. I agree. It just that light clicked in. And everything just went out smoothly for him. You know, I'm really happy that he is getting what he deserves. Um, it's about time that it finally clicked. I'm glad it did click. And I'm looking forward to what he's going to do in the future. Um, I'm looking for him and Hobbs to, you know, tear it down in the next couple months and do some fantastic things. I'm glad he got his chance, and I'm looking forward to what happens next. One thing I'm really looking forward to, as far as Hobbs and uh, Starks, is I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with Hobbs, because AEW is, in my opinion, is in need. Granted, they've got big guys that are heels, but they do not have that super ripped uber-athletic monster heel. They had him until they turned Wardlow white meat babyface. Like, like ultra white meat babyface. Chicken breast. Chicken breast with no seasoning on it. You just put the thing in, you just put the thing in a crock pot with some water and you boiled it. That's what Wardlow is now. White meat. With Hobbs, Hobbs is a massive dude. He is absolutely shredded, and he looks like he could tear your face off. 
I'm very much looking forward to see what they do with Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, truth be told, he's going to be fodder for Starks, but this is an opportunity to create a terrifying monster heel in AEW, which is something they have not done ever, 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 despite having multiple people that can fill that role. Miro, Brody King, Lance Archer, do I need to keep going? <laughs> and another part of it, too, is, and this just came to me as we were as you were finishing up your first uh, take about Starks, I feel like AEW all of a sudden finds themselves in need of actual baby faces. Because yeah. the, the list of, of the ones that can actually say, yeah, I'm a baby face is kind of short. I don't consider Blackpool Combat Club faces. No. I just consider them butt kickers that go out there and get the job done every week. They don't care what you think about them. They are they are mass murderers that get cheered. <laughs> right. Um, Punk's hurt. You know, he's going to be back soon, but he's out. Um, Hangman is off doing soul searching again. It's the, I mean, it, and it's nice to see that storytelling happening, but I, I feel like Tony Khan may have said, oh, well, that's good that you want us to do this because we kind of needed another baby face. I mean, I'm having trouble thinking of some outside of Jungle Boy and... Um, Wow, this is bad. I mean, all the people that are coming into my head are heels. Um, huh? Best friends? Yeah. I mean, it, it's they're, they're few and far between right now. So the fact that Starks has turned is rather handy. Well, here's my thing as far as baby faces and AEW. And I agree with you completely about, about Blackpool Combat Club. There's not a single member of them. Granted, they all get cheered, but... They would much rather put you in the hospital than just beat you. And that's the case with all of them, including the old British guy that runs the show. <laughs> they're all they're all yeah. they're all maniacs. Um so Blackpool Combat Club does not exist. Every other great act in EW is a heel. And let's be honest. There's not many, I'll take that back, there's one act in AEW that are over baby faces, and that's FTR. By the way, another organic turn right there, which one we didn't even have on our list. FTR has been booed maybe a month into their AEW run. They started getting booed. And they've been booed ever since. They joined the Pinnacle, a massive failure, um, and continued to get booed. They were teamed up with Blanchard, continued to get booed. And then all of a sudden, they get cheered because people finally realize, holy crap, these guys might be one of the greatest tag teams ever. Mm -hmm. And... You now see what they're doing because they're putting out banger match after banger match, whether it be against each other in solo competition, Harwood taking on CM Punk, or that two out of three falls. This past weekend at Death Before Dishonor against the Briscoes. 
Damn. Um, yet again, another match that a member of FTR is in that's on my list for match of the year. You may have to have an FTR category for match of the year at this rate. God, yeah, yeah. And, you know, match number one, Hardwood versus Wheeler. Match right. number two, Hardwood versus Punk. <laughs> um, match number three, FTR versus Bucks. <laughs> FTR versus Briscoes, one and two. Oh, um, my one. The one that I keep going back to, a situation like this, and was the first time in my wrestling fandom that I became aware of something happened that probably shouldn't have happened. You go back to WrestleMania 13 and it's called the famous double turn. It's been a homework assignment on this show before it's stone cold, Steve Austin versus Bret Hart, where the two guys went in there with established roles and they came out the other side completely different. Um, this is the famous match where Austin didn't actually tap out. He passed out in a pool of his own blood after Brett put the sharpshooter on him. Um, so when I'm talking about organic turns, this is, one, this is one of the ones I always think about. And didn't have a chance to this week, but in preparation for the show, I wanted to go back and watch it again. Um, but that's the one that, you know, didn't have a chance to do it, but that's the one that... Um, always sticks in my head because it was clear going in this match what the office wanted you to do. They wanted you to, you know, yeah, Bret Hart and I'm doing the right thing and, and all this stuff, but it was coming off as hollow. And then you've got this ass kicker and Stone Cold who the fans were getting behind by this point. You know, they were, you know, because he resonated with the middle class and the working man and the common man and all that kind of stuff. And just made being anti-establishment look cool. Right. And that's, I think, why by this point the train was rolling by the time he got into the feud with Brett. You know, some of the promos leading into this. If you take it, man, <laughs> and put the letter S in front of it, then you've got my exact feeling. And the crowd was just going, you know. So, I mean, that one... I don't know what you guys think about it, but that one is, for me, always going to be the first one I think of when I think about a situation like this. I think that one's the blueprint, because that one, yeah, WWE planned that one, but they didn't just go, okay, Austin's turning face. Brent's turning heel. We're going to make this happen because Brent's going to do something super dastardly and Austin's going to save the day or something like that. No, they didn't do that. They actually they actually baited us into making it happen, which was brilliant on their part. I mean, go back and look at it. They played the audience in Chicago at WrestleMania 13 like a damn fiddle. I mean, you know, I was talking, I, I did the chef's kiss for Briscoe's and FTR part two. That's the same, same thing for WrestleMania 13. Um, that, that's the blueprint for how to do this because WWE wanted it to happen and they made it happen through the audience. Um, probably one of, 
one of my favorites, and like I, like I keep saying, the blueprint. I want to sidebar for just a second because while we do the show, I do, especially when we're recording on Fridays while while Rampage and SmackDown are going on, I like to keep an eye, eye out in case something major happens, especially this week. Um, apparently, within the last 30 minutes, Michael Cole, live on SmackDown, said the word wrestling. Michael Cole said wrestling. Well, then. Yeah. Welcome to the party, Michael. Um, not something I thought I would ever read is the fact that Michael Cole, Vince's soldier boy for um, all these years, <laughs> said the W word. Um, yeah. Um, I got another one here. Um, because I mean, look, you can do. We can talk about. And I've got. I'm gonna just blow through some of these on my list. We can talk about John Cena constantly getting booed, despite the fact that he's a babyface. But that's not. You know. I don't we, really consider that because he's never actually. We we theorize about what would a heel turn look like. But he's always resisted it. And here's why. Here's why I'm glad they never did it. Cena sucks. Cena sucks. Cena sucks. Cena decides to haul off and like kick AJ Styles right in the ding ding. As soon as he does it, the fans are going to pop. Because they got exactly what they wanted. And now they're going to cheer a heel John Cena. And we're literally right back to where we're, we're, we're back where we just were, except we're going in a different direction. Which is why anytime I've ever seen anybody on YouTube theorize how how would you do it, they take something else away that they know the fans love in conjunction with it, so that it's not okay. Yeah, you gave us well, not but but you know, because the the one big example, uh, Adam Blampier, you know, linked it to. Um, Ending the Undertaker's undefeated streak, like Cena was actually would be the one to do it by cheating to beat Undertaker at WrestleMania. You know, yeah, he turned heel. What he beat the Undertaker? No, no, you know that kind of thing. So you you <laughs> link it to something. You know, you do you can't have your cake and eat it too, kind of thing. Much like, much, even though he didn't cheat, much like Roman after WrestleMania 32. Yeah, you know, Roman beat Taker clean. And then he got booed the night after WrestleMania for 10 straight minutes. Right. And managed to get out the phrase, this is my yard now. Um, speaking of them, and Isaac, I want to hear about hear your point of view on this one. The Shield. They start off, we're booing the heck out of them. But we realize that pack of dogs mentality is actually kind of cool. Their entrance is kind of cool. They're kind of cool. And... We start cheering them, and then we get into WrestleMania 30, where they beat where they beat Kane and the Outlaws in less than two and a half minutes. I <laughs> that was I could see that coming. Um, it was very organic to me that it had it was going to come because 
you know, you just kept seeing here, it, it kind of threw me for a bit in the aspect of, you know, you could sit there and see they were prepping Roman to be, you know, the met, the next big thing. No, the- no, they were not. They were not. And, and I, I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you did that. They were not prepping Roman. They were prepping Rollins. Rollins was the company's choice because Rollins of the three is the best in-ring performer far and away. He was he he was eight years ago and he still is. The we wanted Roman. We wanted him and we got him. And once they started pushing him right down our throats, we we gagged on it. We decided, <laughs> no, we don't want this. Roman sucks. <laughs> He also wasn't ready to at the same time. He wasn't. What they should have done was they should have gone with their initial plan. And because the plan wasn't, I've heard this on podcasts and I've, I've even heard this on an interview with Rollins before. The plan was literally what they did, except you, except you switch Roman and Rollins. Roman was supposed to be the one with the chair turning on the shield. Roman was going to be the one to get the title and then Rollins was going to take it from him. Rollins was supposed to be the baby face out of this. It's interesting to think about what could have been if, if they had just gone with that because... I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't. You know We're why? Because he wasn't running. No. I'm I'm looking too far ahead. I'm looking way far way far in the future from what what they did. I'm I'm looking at WrestleMania 31. I'm standing there at WrestleMania 31, heist of the century, Brock and Roman for the first of a million and a half times that we've seen. And you know, Brock's getting booed, Roman's getting booed, here comes Rollins. Everything happens the way it does. If they do not switch if they go with their gut and don't switch it like they did and have Rollins be the one that joins Triple H and um, the authority, we are not looking right now at one of the greatest title runs of the last 25 years. And you cannot tell me that Roman Reigns run right now isn't just glorious because it has been. Yeah, it makes you wonder because maybe he's not that frontline guy anymore at that point. Maybe he's down to the middle of the card and him taking time away, you know, for, you know, his health isn't as big of a deal as it was. Right. You know, that, 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 that part is still what informs a lot of this, this run for me is, you know, I'm making up for borrowed time. Who knows how much time I have left? That kind of thing. But at the same time... We're making up for lost time. Borrowed time is not the right phrase. Sorry. Same time, you got to think. With Roman's Roman heel turn and, you know, joining up with Heyman and creating the bloodline and having the title for damn near three years, um, you have to think about... You, you have to think about the fact that 
that was all brought on because the fans got pissed at Roman because he pulled out of Mania during COVID. Yeah. And came back at SummerSlam and laid waste to um, Strowman and was it Strowman and Fiend? Yeah. Yes, it was. Okay. And then, but they do that. Fast forward to literally this past Monday night. Roman Reigns, the Usos, Paul Heyman, the minute his music hits in Madison Square freaking Garden, that place went up. The only way that pop could have gotten louder is if there was glass shattering to begin with. You know, they take their nine and a half long, nine and a half minute long entrance. They get in the ring and literally the only thing that Roman says before handing the mic back to Paul Heyman was Madison Square Garden, acknowledge me. And they went up. Mm -hmm. We literally, for lack of a term, the fans wanted Roman. We ran his ass out of town. He came back and now we're supposed to boo him. But now Roman, as this heel, as the tribal chief, the head of the table, this guy is one of the best characters in professional wrestling today. Has been for two years, three years. It's been damn near flawless. And now he's getting cheered. Again, that to me is one of the most remarkable things of them all because we wanted the guy. Now we don't want him. Okay, you're booing him. So now we're going to give you something. Now I'm going to give you something to cry about. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to give us something to boo about. But no, no, no. This guy's cool. We're going to cheer him. Damn it. (laughs) I know, I know right now, Hunter and Bruce Pritchard have just got to be going, son of a bitch, really? Really, you guys? Yeah. We, 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 we try to give you what you want at a Roman and you keep flipping the script on us. It's like that one damn year at, uh, it's like WrestleMania Miami where we've got Jericho coming out, but all you guys want to do is sing Fandango song. I mean, good God. <laughs> um, There's another one. For me, you knew I was going to go here. Um, Because as it was happening, I did not understand it. Because this was around the time I had gotten out of wrestling for a long time. And this was, I was out of my own by this point. I had cable television again that I was paying for. And I was seeing all of these things happen. And he was also allowed to stay up past 8 o'clock. Right. Some of the things that Hulk Hogan was doing to The Rock when he was a member of the NWO going into WrestleMania 18. And this was the, the, the this was my Brian, you know it's scripted, right? Moment because I can remember the Raw, I don't remember what city it was in, but it was the Raw where they put The Rock in an ambulance and Hogan ran the ambulance down with a semi truck. I came into work the next morning and I was pissed. And one of my colleagues at the school I was teaching at the time, you know, 
I don't remember what I was doing, but 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 I but she she came over and asked me a question. I don't know if I was like slamming papers on my desk or something like that. And she goes, "Why are you so upset? The day hasn't even started yet. You know, there's no kids yet. You know." And so I explained it to her, and she knew that I was a wrestling fan, but she didn't watch. But and as I'm setting up the story, about five minutes in, she stops me and she goes, "Okay, wait a minute. You know he wasn't in the ambulance, right?" You know that he couldn't possibly have been in the ambulance when Hulk Hogan ran into it, ran into it with the semi truck, right? And I'm like sitting at my desk and I'm heavy breathing and I look up at her and I'm like, you know, you're probably right. He probably was not in that ambulance. They probably just bought an ambulance, a junk ambulance, and it's in the prop budget, so we'll we'll, we'll destroy it. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> She goes, it's wrestling. It can't possibly, he couldn't really, could you imagine if he was in the ambulance? So to go from that, my point is to go from that to now we're in Toronto, Bizarro World. Oh, God, yeah. And Hogan comes out, Rock comes out, and Rock's the one you hear the smattering of booze for, and Hogan is getting... All the adulation that you could ever hope and pray for. And that was organic as hell, too, because that crowd reaction, I think they were in Montreal later that week, and he came out in the red and yellow in Montreal, and they went absolutely berserk, too. So that forced the breakup of the NWO, or or like the splintering of the NWO. And then Hogan goes and gets a title run out of it, you know winning the title off of Triple H later on that year. That was the visceral one for me because, of course, as everybody on this show knows, The Rock is my guy, and how dare you? What? Really? How, yeah, how dare you? How dare you beat The Rock and get a better crowd reaction than The Rock? That's not supposed to happen, uh, but it happened. Um, Can I jump in when you're done? Yeah, go. I, I was just setting the scene, so go ahead. Be my guest. you got to remember, at that time, most of the people, especially the crowd, at WrestleMania grew up as Hulk Hogan fans. And when Hulkamania was at its peak and running wild, and now they're all in, they're now in their 30s, 35, 40, whatever it was at the time, and they can all, they're all there. This is this is this was not a rock crowd to begin with. It was never going to be a rock crowd. That was Hogan. This is what they wanted to see. They wanted to see him Hulk up. Oh my God! They wanted to see. They they're having nostalgia back at you know when he faced Andre the Giant. That was this is their moment. Oh my God! He's still here. He still looks fantastic. Oh my God! It's Hulk Hogan. This is the this is the point in time. Rock didn't stand a chance. No. He Rock could have Rock could could have set somebody on fire. That that match. There was no way on God's green earth he, he did that in WrestleMania 32 in Dallas. That's fine. <laughs> no, there's there's no way. There's no way. The, the the crowd was primed for Hogan. This is what they wanted. They wanted to see him. Do they want to see the NWO black and Hulk? You know, you know, black and white Hulk? No. Of course, they want to see the red and yellow. They always want to see the red and yellow. 
this was WrestleMania. Oh my God, he's the one that started it. Hypothetical question. Go ahead. Put that WrestleMania in. Um, Houston, Texas. Doesn't matter where it was. No, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. No, 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 no. Yes. No. Yes. No. It has to be a wrestling town, not Houston, not LA, not Miami, Tampa, Nashville. No, it had to be New York. Chicago, Toronto, Detroit, Philly, St. Louis, Atlanta. No, no, no. That was... Maybe Atlanta. Maybe. That question just popped into my head about, you know, was it just because they they sat down in, 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 you know, by the Space Needle, or was it, you know... No, you, you're wrong on this. And the reason I'm saying that you're wrong is because this is a WrestleMania crowd. This is not a Chicago crowd, which we know they're, they're huge fans. This is not a Philly crowd. This is a WrestleMania and the Monday night after WrestleMania crowd. This is a totally different crowd. When you think about this, when you think about WrestleMania and the night after, Monday night, those are the two craziest crowds that can make or break anybody. You have to admit that. And that's happened in the past. Now, you're talking about guys that are in their 30s, 35, whatever, whatever. You said that part already. You said that part already. But that's a month. Let me, let, let me ask you one question. Do you really think that the international audience is going to drive all 80,000 tickets of a football stadium. No, not even close. A vast majority of that, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, acknowledge me, I had to throw that one in there, local, is regional. You know, you get a Detroit crowd the vast, a strong majority, not vast, but a strong, a strong core of those fans are going to be Detroit, Minneapolis, Cleveland, Chicago, Pittsburgh, this general, the Great Lakes area, because it's Detroit. It's within somewhat driving distance. It's cheaper for us to drive and get a hotel than it would be from someone out in Phoenix to fly, get a hotel, it's a hell of a lot cheaper. Makes more it more budgetary sense for someone like us because it's within it's within a day's drive. So I will com- I will then, then now and forever completely disagree with you on that one because of where it was. Your your point, Isaac, though, is noted because it was you're right. It was a generation that grew up as kids, and now they've got the discretionary income that they're like, you know what, Hogan's going to be there. I'm going to go. It, I don't know how well it translates outside of those cities that Patrick rattled off, but it 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 it, it makes me wonder, like, if it had been in Seattle, or if it had been in Boston, or if it had been, you know, would the reaction have been quite so visceral, you know? There's really no way to, 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 to do to figure that out. But that's the one that, you know, along with Austin Brett, that's the one that kind of sticks out in my mind as well as 
we didn't plan for this. The fans made it happen. So let me throw another one out there. You know, we're talking about, you know, it's supposed to be a heel, but we're gonna we're we're gonna cheer you. Let's flip one. And I think this is one of the biggest uh-ohs that WWE has ever had. Can't, what year? Does anyone off the top of the top of their head? Anybody know what year WrestleMania 30 was? 2014. 14, okay. Because the first WrestleMania was 84, so. Okay, there you go. So you mean to tell me January of 2014? When Batista comes out at number 30. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Exactly. Oh, and by the way, we were all, everybody was already doing this. And then number 30, number 29 hits. Who was 29? Does anybody remember? Because he's the one that got the ever-loving hell boot out of him. Because we all knew Batista was 30. Anybody know who 29 was? I don't remember. Ray. No, Ray came out at 30 the following year. I'm going to look that up really quick. All right. I could have sworn that Ray was 29 that year. Because 31, Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan was, uh, ended up being in the ladder match for the, for the IC title. Because he had just come back. I because Punk had just walked and Daniel Bryan was doing his program with Bray in 2014. If I'm not mistaken. All right, so that year Wait a minute. Yeah, Batista came in at 28. Oh. Big E came in at 29, and Ray came in at, that's right, Ray came in at 30. So Batista was already out there. Okay. I, for some reason, I thought Batista was 30, but I, I remember Ray Mysterio got the ever loving crap boot out of him. Yes. Because we wanted Daniel Bryan. We wanted Bryan Danielson, and we didn't get him. He wasn't even in the Rumble. But so because of this, <coughs> Ends, and now we get Batista and Orton, which is a match that everybody wanted to see. Everybody starts booing the crap out of the entire thing, which forces. It was a face run that failed so miserably. It forced the company to change their entire plans for a WrestleMania main event. And correct me if I'm wrong. I would have to go back and specifically look at Batista during this point. Batista did not look like he was mentally all there. Like he, like he was fully invested. No, he wasn't. Like he was just there for a payday. He, yeah. He was. Even he, though in interviews he said, you know, obviously, I mean, you know, you got to give it to Daniel Bryan because, the, you know, that kind of stuff. It's easy to say that in hindsight, you know. But at the time, I remember thinking, you know, really, the, you know, your, your blue trunks and your skinny jeans and your 
Sergio Valente tracksuit, and I know it wasn't Sergio Valente, but I mean, like that's not how you used to dress. Like, no. come out in the way you used to dress, you know, with the with the Timberland boots and the jeans and the Washington White Bullets jersey. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, none of this, none of this GQ crap. <laughs> right. See, and I agree that that Batista was there. He was there for a pay. He was there for a WrestleMania payday. He was there for a WrestleMania main event. He was there for a title run. You could all you could tell that all three of those things were already arranged. And then they had to flip everything around. And then coincidentally, Batista had to leave early that earlier than planned to go do promotional work for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One or Two, whichever one it was. Exactly. The night after uh, whatever. Extreme paper. Rules where the Shield like pitched a shutout or something like yes. that. Yes. In the second straight pay-per-view where we had three on three, which those matches were just amazing. Um, yeah. Still, the Shield, my God. Um, but Batista, it, what a disaster that turned out to be. Um, I got one more for you guys, and we're gonna we're gonna for as far as me we're gonna end it on a we're gonna end it on a positive note. And I almost kind of played my hand there, but I'll go ahead and do it. Because if I'm wrong, during Los Guerreros' tag title run, they were getting booed, and then little by little. Those boos got quieter and those cheers started happening. You brought this one up in the pre-show meeting and I had a hard time with the timeline of it. Because for me, and, and this is, I'm, I, I'm ashamed to admit this, but for me, Eddie's career, his WWE career, is kind of a blur. Like, I don't, I, I don't remember the timeline of his stuff in WWE as well as I do other people's. And that I need to correct that. I know he came in in 2000 with the Radicals, and then all of a sudden it seemed like now he's with Chavo and they're doing the lie, cheat, and steal thing. Like, I, I blinked for one second, and then all of a sudden I blinked again, and he's beating Lesnar at No Way Out. That ha- Los Guerreros started shortly after WrestleMania 19. And they had a short run as tag, time, uh, tag champs as... Uh, as heels, and then became faces, lost the titles, and then Eddie went on. Eddie went on a um, his title run. Uh, Eddie went on to uh, win the title at No Way Out the month before Mania, and then beat uh, Angle in, in uh, at Mania Twenty in New York. Can I jump in real quick? Um, the reason that you have a blurred vision of Eddie was at the, at the same time, remember, when Eddie came in with the Radicals, he got injured. And that was a huge point. He didn't, he was there at, he was at the shows, and he was at ringside, and you saw that he was there, but he wasn't wrestling. And we forget about that part, and then he finally got cleared to come back in. Remember, he had that run with China. Yeah. Wasn't he supposed to be the breakout of, of, of the four of them? Weren't they, wasn't the original plan for Eddie to kind of be like the focal point? 
was he who shall not be named. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it, was, was, it, it was the guy whose name we will not, we will never mention on this show again. We yeah. have, we have in, we have in recent past and we're, I, I'm as executive producer of the show, I'm taking a hardline stance and no, um, no one that did what he did will ever have their name uttered on any intellectual property that I have my hands in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the breakout was supposed to be he who shall not be named. Okay, I, I, I don't know if I read it somewhere that, that, or maybe there were some that wanted Eddie to be like the featured centerpiece, but the arm injury or whatever put a damper on yes. it. Yes. Um, and then people thought that Eddie was just boring. Uh, and the, you know, and you know, the Latino heat character, it was okay. And then the light cheat steel thing happened and then kaboom, <laughs> you know, we're yeah. off, we're off the races. And then he was facing Rey Mysterio the next year in WrestleMania after that. Right. Well, when they were both think all the matches beforehand that, um, that they had. I mean, my God in heaven, they had that ladder match for the custody of Dominic. Uh, I mean, which, yeah, everybody kind of rolls their eyes at that stipulation, but that match was great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it was Ray and Eddie. I mean, you can have a Judy Bagwell on a forklift match between Ray and Eddie, and it would still, and it would be a four and a half star classic. I mean, my God. Um, Book it, Hunter. Yeah, I know. Well, I actually can't. I know we can't. <laughs> Rest in peace, Judy Bagwell. Um, but I always thought the Eddie one was just. It's the best example of lightning in a bottle. Yeah. You know, because we all know about Eddie's demons and what he had to overcome to, you know, because I, and I think that's maybe another reason why there was a blur there too, was because. He had to be away to take care of his 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 uh, personal issues and everything like that. And the fact that he was able to come back and, and, and be in that position where he was going to be a top guy and be beloved and be cheered, you know, really, how can you not get behind that? And now you see all the people that are imitating him. I mean, you had Finn the other night trying to pull a page out of the page one of the Eddie Guerrero playbook. It backfired on him. But I'm like, okay, that that's great, you know. All right. Um, I got. Go ahead, and I got one more because I just literally had one pop. In oh my no! Head. I go ahead. Get in here. I, I was just going to trail off on that because everybody's listing him as an influence. You well, know, yeah. the, the list goes on and on. This is one that if it doesn't happen. You might have make make a very strong argument over the fact that wrestling isn't where it is now because this happened about in fifteen ish years ago, maybe even longer than that, because we were booing this guy because he sucked and he was boring, and then he got cool, and we started cheering him. And then John Cena goes on this run for eons and wins 16 world championships. Think about it. When John Cena first starts the the rap gimmick and he's got Bull Buchanan as his heavy, we're booing the crap out of him. 
and then it catches fire. That would be something to go back and watch at some point, to just watch all those. No, but, like, from the beginning, and see, like, where exactly did it start catching fire? I don't, because I don't remember. I, now, the promo <laughs> you gave me for the, 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 the promo battle, like, two years ago, he was already, you know, getting cheered by that point. Oh, no, he was over, because the one that I gave you was the night after WrestleMania 21 when he beat right. Jay Tyler. So, no, he's already over like Rover. He start his flip started somewhere around mid, would have been, I guess, 03, because if 2014 was WrestleMania 30, then 20, then 2003 would have been WrestleMania 20. Because he had that brief feud with The Undertaker where some of the raps he cut on The Undertaker were, like, uncomfortable as hell. And then he had the program with Brock. That's you, what you, you know, you're bringing the F5, I'm bringing the FU. And that's where it started. And then by SummerSlam, by SummerSlam Survivor Series of that year, that turn happened. So you get to um, um, you get to um, the Rumble into WrestleMania 20, and he's eliminated by the Big Show, who was U.S. champ at the time. Everybody thought he jacked his knee up, and then he beats Big Show for the title at WrestleMania 20. And there we go; we are off to the races. Right. He had had that had that year long build to get him and Batista to hit the floor at the exact same time the year after at the Royal Rumble. Then Vince blew out both quads. Uh, and then, hey, here we go. You know, we get 20 years of this. And then we we hate the guy. We cheer him. We get exactly what we want. And then all of a sudden, we get tired of getting what we wanted. And then we want something else. Man, if anything, I have learned something tonight. Wrestling fans as a whole suck. <laughs> well, I mean, all the stuff with Cena, I didn't see any of it. So uh, the, the way up was real fun. Yes, it was. The first two, three years. That went right over your heads, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, it totally did. No. Uh, but, like, the first two, three years of his title run were amazing. You should really try to crack some jokes on the show sometime, Brian, because you're, you're so straight-laced and you're so, you know, like, you're just so professorial and stuff like that. And then I crack a joke, and you're just going on and advancing your points <laughs> trying to... Being straight-laced that, you know, it's really hard to tell when you are being sarcastic. It's very hard. If I could be serious for a moment. I I thought that was a good, a good delivery. I said, you know, all that stuff was seen. I never saw it. it. Dude, it was. But I am so used to you always being serious that when wow. you lost sarcasm, it flies past me. Because <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Whose uh, fault is that? That just happened? It just means I, you're not paying attention. Yeah. And who am I pointing at? Am I pointing at you? No. Am I pointing at Isaac? No. I'm pointing at me. 
It is totally my fault. Well, Isaac should be pointing at himself too. He didn't react either. This is all me. I'm not going to. I'm not pointing at nobody, but. Not only does this mean does this title mean I'm one half of the tag team champions, but it also means I'm one. I, I am, you know, you know, two halves of the most oblivious man on the show. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Good show, guys. Good show. Very good show. Good topic. Very, very much so. So here we go. We'll, we'll all take a page out of my book for this one to end the show. SummerSlam predictions guaranteed to go wrong. Uh, Bailey cashes in money in the bank on uh, Roman. Done. <laughs> Try to be realistic, man. <laughs> if we're going there, we might as well just go Sasha Banks and Naomi come back and win the tag titles. <laughs> I'll do you one better. Sasha Banks and Naomi show up as the tag champs. <laughs> oh. I, all I'm saying is apparently... Going, continuing to look on Twitter about the whole Michael Cole thing. Apparently, not only did he say wrestling, but he also said WWE fans, not WWE universe. Okay. So, who's the JAS uh, parodying now? <laughs> We're not saying that anymore. My God in heaven. Oh man. Yeah. Um. Look, the Jericho Appreciation Society, I get it. It's that's their shtick. But dude. In all seriousness though, we had another match of the year candidate on Wednesday. Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson. God yeah. My oh, goodness. Oh. And I did not see that ending coming either. No, we no did not. But speaking of also other match of the year contenders, we had another one this past weekend with Jonathan Gresham and the new Ring of Honor World Champion Claudio Castanelli. Great match. Uh, fine. I did not realize that Claudio had never won a world title on <coughs> the ROH World Title before. So I'm shocked that that's the first world championship that man's ever won. Took you long. Deserved. Well deserved. Um, so I have no idea what we're talking about next week. And here's why. Because SummerSlam is tomorrow. And there is more than enough belief to think that if Triple H is gonna just rip rip the script apart and start and start writing writing anew, then it starts on Monday. So in my opinion, I am not going to hype the show up. I am not going to say, this could be the most important show. I'm not going to do the Tony Schiavone thing and go, this could be the most important night in the history of our sport. I'm saying that this could be one of the more interesting weeks we've seen in pro wrestling in decades. Because we know th- what we know going in uh, as far as after SummerSlam, what we know 
can be summed up in three words. We don't know. No clue. We could show up Monday. Triple H could start the show much like he did takeover number one with the lights out. And, and he's just talking right into, the, right into the camera and then does this and the lights come on and here we go. What did Aaron Rodgers say last year? It's a beautiful mystery. Exactly. And I like it for one simple reason. We don't know. All bets, as far as I'm concerned, as soon as SummerSlam goes off the air tomorrow night, all bets are off. Hell, all bets are off tomorrow night because Matt Riddle is out for SummerSlam. Rollins does not have a match. And Rollins has griped about it on Twitter and said, don't worry, guys. At some point, they'll hear all of you complaining. And Triple H responded, I hear you. Mm -hmm. There are rumors. Big man, didn't you book tickets to Nashville? Is there something you're not telling us? I'm I'm trying to keep that on the low right now. Okay, okay. I, I, I mean, all I'm saying, you show up tomorrow night. And you, you guys you guys already know what I'm about to do. So, I mean, you already know what it is. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to, trying you, to keep You've got the wrestling with, with Ego's t-shirt. Packed right. Oh, I, I'm already, I'm already ready to go. I got the, I got the suitcase right here to the side. Okay. All right. Well, that being said, oh, I, I didn't realize what time it was, man. Isaac, you got a, you, you, you got a flight in an hour, bro. Uh, I, I don't have a flight anywhere. Guys, guys, he, he, he's flying, he's flying to Oklahoma. He's got a, a, a funeral over in Oklahoma. He's flying you know, his, to Rancho Cucamonga. Now his um his uh his Ecuadorian uh golf caddy Pantalones J Hernandez passed away. We call him Pants. I mean, are we are we gonna wrap this up? Cause I'm I'm not I'm not going anywhere, people. You know I, you know I got a quick flight. But it's know. been a long day. Long day, long day, long day. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I do need to go because I. Been on vacation this entire week, and I took the kiddo to the zoo today, and the kiddo rang my ass to death. So, being the fact that it is now ooh, almost 11 o'clock, I'm ready to go bed. So, I will catch all you cats, especially these two cats on the screen with me next week. For Brian, for Isaac, I'm Patrick. Thanks for watching Wrestling with Egos. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, click the bell for notifications, five star review, you know, all that good stuff. Until next week, when we talk SummerSlam and anything else that pops up. This has been Wrestling with Egos and the whole beautiful mystery. It's why we love wrestling.